Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to the Agile World Podcast, where we discuss customer experience, employee experience, and transformation in an Agile age. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Center of Experience, a blueprint for creating an experience-led organization, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the value of a holistic digital experience. Too often, organizations spend time optimizing a few channels to make sure that they're performing well, but they fail to look at the bigger picture. Customer experience is a key differentiator in today's competitive marketplace, and organizations that embrace digital experience as more than the sum of its parts will get ahead and stay ahead. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Eric Stahl, SVP of Digital Experience at Salesforce. First, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and what you do at Salesforce? Thanks, Greg. It's great to be here. Um, well, I've been at Salesforce for almost 12 months. Oh, sorry, 12 years. I joined um, next month. It'll be 12 years. Uh, oh. Prior to that, I did enterprise software at a database company called Informix and a middleware company called BEA Systems. So I've been in this enterprise software space for a long time. Uh, most of my background was doing product marketing. Um, I've had a few... Uh, uh, twists and turns over the years. I spent some time in London. Uh, I spent some time in investor relations, explaining what these crazy enterprise software products are. Um, but for the most part, product marketing. And then about a year ago, Stephanie Bashemi, our CMO at Salesforce, asked if I would take on our digital team and kind of run and optimize the current site but more importantly, uh, reimagine the entire thing and uh, uh, see what we could come up with. So that's what I'm working on now. That's great. Well, congrats on the the 12 years at at Salesforce and um, and as well as the the new role. Um, so let's let's talk about that holistic uh, digital experience and and define it a little bit. So um, you know. What, how do you define this, this great experience and, and what's its relationship to the overall uh, customer experience? Yeah, so uh, it's a great question. Um, I have the great pleasure of working with our COO and head of product, uh, Brett Taylor, who comes to us uh, having been one of the core inventors of Google Maps and was the CTO at Facebook and founded a company called Quip, which we acquired. And Brett has been a really interesting um, voice in all of this. From his perspective, it's not a website redesign. 
he doesn't want us to just think about this in terms of the website. He wants us to really dig deep on uh, a data strategy that actually uh, builds a, a single source of truth for all of our prospects and customers, and then using that data to drive a more personalized experience across marketing, commerce, meaning just buying our products on online, uh, through our sales experience, through our support experience, uh, through our product experience, through our events, and, and really any other touch point. And so it gets much bigger and more complex than thinking of this as a website redesign. <laughs> this yeah. is not you know, a bunch of HTML pages linking to each other. This is a, a deep infrastructure lift. I think of it more as an application than a website with complex uh, data on the back end, complex personalization in the, in the middle tier. And then all of these points of interaction, whether it's through our products or through our website or through our sales team or support agent, or whether you're showing up at one of our events. Yeah. And so when you're looking at this, uh, what's your approach to measurement? So, you know, cause you're talking about a lot of different things. You're, you are talking about individual channels, but more how they tie to one another. So what is, what is measurement and, and, you know, what does success look like in terms of measurement? So that's a, that's a big question. I mean, that's <laughs> a, that's, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I'll just give you a couple of quick thoughts. One is um, the digital experience is not just sales, right? And that's a common uh, mistake where you're just optimizing for traffic and leads and pipeline and new business, right? And that marketers can can uh, just exclusively focus on that because they think that's their job. And, and in some ways it is, but uh, sales is only kind of one part of the customer journey as they're going through the process of finding and trying and buying your products. How they onboard as a new customer is a really critical thing. How they uh, get ongoing support and enablement and training is really important. How they discover and buy kind of add-on products. Um, how they, uh, you know, just are overall, how they feel about you as a company uh, yeah. will ultimately drive your success or not. And so when you say, how do you measure this? The, yes, there's kind of the, the sales-driven, kind of more traditional lead funnel side of things. But we are trying to really dig in on more foundational concepts around CSAT and adoption and renewals and things that kind of just tell us that the customer is being successful. And if they're successful just by virtue of our business model of subscriptions, uh, we, we know we will be successful. So I hope that's yeah. not too vague, but that, that's kind of. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's uh, to your point. It's a it's a big question, and I'm sure there's measurements at all kinds of levels. But at the end of the day, agreed. It's uh, it's it's about that that big picture. What about the? You mentioned a lot of things that have 
there's digital components to them, but there's also offline behaviors. How do you approach that when uh, when you know that there's going to be some sort of offline to digital or vice versa behavior? What's uh, what's the approach to making sure that that's as seamless as possible? So we are a CRM company. So fortunately, the idea of having customer data is something near and dear to us. And yeah. we want to lead by example. And so there, there are some interesting use cases that we've come up with. Uh, for example, um, our CEO, CEO told this interesting story where uh, he went into a, um, a telephone network provider store. He needed a new iPhone for, for whatever reason. And he went in there and he, they took his name and they put him in this queue and he waited forever. And he asked, I wonder if they know that I'm the CEO of a company that buys $100 million of products from, from them every year. And if they right. did, would they be able to like maybe, you know, expedite the situation and get him a Right. And it, you know, it's a really simple example. And he was just using it to, to illustrate a point that they weren't able to connect the dots between, you know, here's this guy who influences a, a huge amount of business for them, but they're, they're not able to, to uh, recognize that signal when he comes walking into one of their stores and, and kind of uh, yeah. act accordingly, to be honest. And so if you think about that, uh, it's just a data issue and a kind of a process issue that most companies uh, suffer from because they have silos of customer data scattered all over the place. And so yeah. we've been asking ourselves, like, how are we doing that to our customers? Like, we have MVP programs. Some of our best customers are most enthusiastic users. They know the product inside and out. They speak at our events. They answer questions on our community. Like, these are, like, the, the most tried and true hardcore Salesforce trailblazers. Yeah. And when they call support, like, do we have the processes in place to kind of know that, that, hey, this is an MVP, like, get them to tier three support right away. And again, that's just like a, 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 a way of illustrating, like, are we connecting all these data points to get, uh, to get the right people to the right places at the right time? So we're busy yeah. digging in. I mean, that's like a very specific one. Other ones that are so obvious, but I think they elude most companies. Like when someone comes to the website, do we know what products they have bought? And are we kind of serving up an experience, whether it's free training or you know, release information or an upcoming event coming toward the, to their city? Like, are we really serving all that up to them in the, in the way that we should be? And you know, yeah. even Salesforce, the answer is no, we're not, but we're working hard to, uh, to figure that out and get that in place as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, before we uh, did this show, you and I talked a little bit and, and our conversation touched on a point that I wrote about in one of my books the, called The Agile Brand. It's this concept of evolution versus revolution. Um, so, you know, with, with so many organizations going through what they're uh, terming transformation right now, 
how can you know if an evolutionary or a revolutionary change is needed? Well, at, at Salesforce, we have, we're now 20, 21 years old. And the infrastructure, well, we've grown very quickly to, yeah. we're going to need 20 billion in sales this year. So I think it's a bit unusual, but we've grown into this huge company um, over the last 20 years. And so, you know, we have infrastructure and we have analytics that were put in place many years ago, probably not 20 years ago, but some of it might be, you know, trace their origins five or 10 or 15 years back, which are not necessarily uh, how we would build those things today. And so you do get to a point where it becomes so deeply embedded in the company. Uh, I'll give you an example. We have very complex analytics for how we run a lot of different parts of the business. And the model uh, hasn't evolved as much as I probably would have thought it should have over the last few years. And I've thought a lot about it, and it's because the organization like human beings are organized around this model. It's yeah. embedded in the code of our analytics infrastructure. You know, it's, it's really hard to evolve or change the model. And so to answer your question, I think you just have to get to a point where every once in a while you hit the reset button and you make the investment to do a bigger transformation because you just can't incrementally evolve your way forward. And so I think we're, we're very much looking at a, a larger transformation where we're questioning the, the infrastructure, the, the tech stack, the architecture, uh, you know, and all of the code that's evolved over all the years, which has a, a lot of intellectual property tied up in it, but it's also kind of holding us back from kind of bringing a beginner's mind to how we should do these things in 2020. So, yeah. you know, I think every once in a while you just have to have to hit the reset button and, and do a bigger transformation. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, so yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit. Let's follow that thread a little bit to the operationalizing um, experience. So, you know, to me, it seems We've all read the statistics. Um, everyone understands that treating customers well, you know, they buy more, they buy more often, so on and so forth. Um, same thing with employees. If you treat them well, uh, they're going to stay longer. So it seems like everyone kind of understands this. And yet, uh, so few companies really deliver on this. Why do you think that's true? I mean, what's, what's, holding, what's holding companies back from really delivering on something that they know to be true? Um, <clears throat> my experience is that companies ship their org charts and, yeah. you know, they impose their org chart on the customer and on the customer experience. And I think it's a natural thing. You, you stand up a team, you tell them to go do something and they go do it. And you stand up another team and you tell them to do something and they go do it. And so you end up with all these silos and this fragmented customer experience. and so. The hard part is to create this horizontal framework 
that everyone has to plug into that drives continuity of the customer experience while still allowing these teams to have the autonomy they need to do what they need to do. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, so, yeah, you know, definitely. Things like you know, a design system with one common brand expression that everyone has to adopt or single sign-on or you know, a federated data strategy that, that kind of pulls all these pieces together. Like those things don't just happen organically. Somebody has to be on point to make that happen. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you see that as a, and I'm sure every organization can be different in this, but do you see that as a team owning experience and then others working around it? Or, uh, cause I've seen a lot of different a lot of different ways this work, but you know maybe at Salesforce, how does how does that happen when you obviously have different teams that are responsible for different aspects yeah. of a of a product, and yet to your point, they all need they all do need to converge at some point while doing their own jobs, right? Yeah. I think uh, so. My my job is to think about the customer experience and. You know, I, I have to work with the marketing teams, the sales teams, the commerce teams, the support teams, the product teams, and give them a, a framework that they're going to plug into. So, you know, there's just no, you're not going to just have one big monolithic thing. It needs to be, uh, you know, a distributed effort. I also would highly recommend top level executive sponsorship. The only reason I think I can succeed in this job is because I have the CEO and the CIO, COO saying, go make it happen. And when we yeah. tell the teams that they need to plug into this framework, that there's going to be, you know, both a carrot and a stick. It can't be optional. And so we're going to help everyone and we're going to try to get them excited about the vision and sell them on all the exciting benefits of the better customer experience. But you also need a stick that says, you know, you have to do it by this date. I'm also enlisting the help of legal. So the more privacy and accessibility laws that roll out, the harder it is to operate in a highly distributed manner. Yeah. And so the olden days of like anyone can spin up a website or a domain or a subdomain or a tech stack and you have no idea what your employees are putting out there right? also creates a huge legal exposure because these things all need to comply with GDPR and CCPA and, you know, all the accessibility laws and like... I don't think yeah. people do it intentionally, but they're they're spinning things up that they have no idea uh, what the requirements are or, or how to <laughs> how to live up to them. So yeah, having, I mean, think having, having legal help is uh, is is another uh, another just another play in the playbook. Yeah, things are changing quickly enough on you know on on all those fronts. Are there are there processes or systems you know whether that's using agile or a project management system or, you know, how have you found things that do help um, with the cohesion on teams and, and stuff like that? So 
it's it's funny you ask. We are in the midst of a pilot to move all of marketing into Agile, which our our tech and product teams already use. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a internally built uh, tool. It's kind of like Jira, but it's our own kind of built on Salesforce version of that. Um, gotcha. That we uh, are piloting, and so yes, it has to be. Uh, you need a, a methodology to have these kind of empowered but distributed teams, each managing their own backlog, each accountable to some business function, uh, but also done in a coordinated way where they all come together to produce some, you know, end result that, that makes sense. So uh, yeah. we are definitely moving in that direction. Um, and hopefully a year from now, uh, all of marketing will be leveraging ag- agile. Uh, oh, that's that's, that's big, exciting. Yeah. That's a big transformation for us. It has huge impact on, um, you know the tr- training and enablement piece doesn't doesn't just happen by itself. Uh, it also will expose some staffing challenges where we might be over in some areas and under in, in certain other areas. But uh, yes, a lot of us are really excited about that that concept. That's great. That's great. Well, um, one last question before we wrap up here. Um, what working for a technology company that you know produces its own platform, uh, you know, what technologies or platforms are you most excited about when you're thinking about this this holistic customer experience and and everything? What's what do you see coming down the pike that that shows a lot of promise? So, the, one of the bigger trends right now is CDP, customer data platform. Um, it really is, uh, you know. The, the holy grail of building a, a customer 360. Um, I think that's a space to watch, yeah. right? Where we can aggregate prospect and customer data. We can stitch together a single view. We can create segments and audiences based on whatever attributes. And then we can activate those segments and audiences out through different channels that's that's a big deal and that's what every company needs to get to the the market is still early uh we are working on our own cdp from from our point of view it's just kind of consumer level crm uh and so we're working on a product in that space that we will be using internally and uh you know beyond that it's all the you know, we have every every other piece of Martech under the sun. From uh, you know, we're, we're we're we use Google Marketing Platform and, and BigQuery and Optimizely and uh, uh, all those kinds of, of tools as well. But I think the the, yeah. the data platform is the next big shoe to drop. And so, for those that are less familiar with it, could you distinguish between what a CDP does and a CRM? Yeah, so CRM kind of comes largely, not entirely, but largely out of the B2B world where you kept track of accounts and contacts and leads and opportunities. Um, That's like the traditional Salesforce CRM world. 
Some people look to their email platforms. Like we bought a company called Exact Target, which is a huge email platform. Some people call that a CRM, but it's really heavily focused on just one channel like email. Um, I think that the, the move towards CDP is, first of all, it's, it's, it's just data. It's channel agnostic, which is a really important character, characteristic. Uh, it's massively scalable so that you can manage you know, tens of millions or hundreds of millions uh, or maybe you know, billions of, uh, of contacts, human beings yeah. in the system. Uh, it allows you to federate data from a lot of different backend resources. It allows you to do segmentation uh, and activation of those audiences, and it allows you to do analytics to just understand, you know, who are these people, and you know, what kind of insights can you derive from a, a centralized data repository like that? Great, great, thanks. Well, well, Eric, uh, thanks for joining the show. Uh, for those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Well, I am posting uh, updates on LinkedIn, so anyone listening is welcome to uh, to connect to me on LinkedIn. Uh, but I'm also aspiring to move those updates over to our website, where uh, I can post content and uh, hopefully drive a lot more traffic to our site uh, through that. So for now, LinkedIn, but uh, that might change over time. Great, great. Well, again, I'd like to thank Eric Stahl, SVP Digital Experience at Salesforce, for joining the show. Uh, To learn more about both customer and employee experience, I recommend you go to my website at gregkillstrom.com and make sure to check out my latest book, The Center of Experience. More information is available on my website or wherever the book is available, like Amazon. Thanks for listening to The Agile World with Greg Kilstrom. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile World Podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Center of Experience, from my website at theagile.world or on Amazon or other retailers. Until next week, stay agile. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.